We're going to finish today our um, series on Proverbs. It's been really short, um, but hopefully you've been able to gain some perspectives that as you read the book on your own, uh, if you do that, you might be able to be helped. And just as a very brief reminder, the book of Proverbs was written in a time of crisis, the crisis of the of the monarchy where the government was falling apart, the government wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing. And in the time of exile, when the Jewish people were in exile in Babylon, their homes had been destroyed, they had been removed from where they were, a, a time of super crisis. And so these Proverbs were helpful in, in keeping the community together, uh, thinking about what it looks like to be people of justice, uh, building loyalty between people, being diligent in your work, um, being honorable uh, in whatever circumstances you find yourself, and of course, above all, the fear of the Lord. Today we're going to look at <clears throat> chapter 31 of Proverbs, which I'm sure if any of you know anything about Proverbs at all, this may be the chapter that you know about what's often called the virtuous or the valor, valorous, valorous? Is that the right pronunciation? Valorous? I don't know, something like that. We'll go with that. If that's wrong, at least you know what I mean. V-A-L-O-R-O-U-S, at least I can spell it. Um, the valorous woman. <clears throat> um, you may remember from a few weeks ago, the book of Proverbs starts with this image of this, what, what the Proverbs calls Lady Wisdom, um, wisdom personified. So the, the, the Proverbs take this concept that we call wisdom and personify it and do so in a, in a female figure. And, and that figure is described for things that she does and things that she says. And in the last chapter of Proverbs, chapter 31, there are two women referred to there. If, if you have a Bible, you can look at it and, and see the two divisions. The first woman, <clears throat> something in my throat, the first woman, woman is royal. She's uh, the queen mother, as the British might say. Uh, you can see it in Proverbs 31.1, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. So this King Lemuel, who we don't know anything about, is passing through this oracle, these Proverbs, that were given to him by his mother, the, the queen mother. We're not going to spend, spend any time on that section. If you have a chance, you can read it. But that, that royal woman is placed front and center in this, uh, in this chapter. And then we get to the passage we are going to spend some time on, uh, chapter uh, verses 10 to 31 of Proverbs 31. Again, what's called the valorous woman. And this is an ordinary Israelite citizen. This is no queen mother. This is just a normal woman in, in her home, in her city or village or wherever she was. Um, I struggled a lot this week about whether to preach on this passage at all. Um, there are a lot of sermons available on Internet about this passage. Um, probably, at least this is a guess, but I'm some, sure I'm somewhere right, 85% of them or 90% are by men. Uh, and a lot of them are really awful. They're just, they're just terrible. Some of them uh, try to, 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 to place women in a particular role based on Proverbs 31, 
women should be doing these things. And you can go all kinds of crazy directions with that, and people do go into all kinds of crazy uh, directions with that. I'm not going to go into all of that now because uh, it's not really worth our time. But I, I want you to be aware of that, that that happens, and, and to, if you can at all, stay away from it. The Bible has not been given to us to define for us the role of women or the role of man in our society. That's just not what it's about. It's, it's presenting this picture of the kingdom where all of us are working together using the gifts that God has given us, including our maleness and our femaleness. But we're using all of that to build his kingdom. And this using of this chapter to, to place women into roles is, 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 I think, pretty seriously misguided. The other thing that a lot of sermons do, and this is even more awful, is uh, set up a standard for a wife. So, for example, I'm now quoting from one sermon that I found, and there's lots of them. The preacher says, <clears throat> starts off his sermon by saying, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to turn my mic off and clear my throat, really. One pastor starts off his sermon on Proverbs 31 by saying, well, this passage is designed for three people. The first is the man looking for a wife. So if you're looking for a wife, young man, then you need to be looking for the kind of woman that you see in Proverbs 31. The second target of this passage is the young lady who will one day become a wife. So if you're going to become a wife someday, then here's an example on how to be a wife. Here's a guideline so that you don't go by the opinions of the world, but that you go by what God's word says. Hey, good morning. Welcome. And the third, uh, the third target of this passage, Proverbs 31, is the wife herself. So any of you who are wives, you should, you've already found your mate, you're already in your marriage, you should open this up and basically say, hey, this woman is doing these things, this is the way, um, the way I, should, I should ask. He literally says, she must live up to the goal of God's word. I don't know if it's attainable for a wife, but it's definitely what men must work for. And I hope you can immediately see how awful that is. I mean, that's just, just nonsense. Um, that's not what this, this passage is. This passage is not giving us some kind of a goal to attain to and to work our fingernails to the bones in order to get to. It is true to some extent that, that if you read this passage and, and you are a wife or perhaps you are a husband, that it might be helpful to you in some practical ways. I'm not saying that's not the case. But that's not what the drive of this passage is. Ellen Davis, who a, a, you know I'm a big fan of, I refer to her all the time, she really helps with this passage because here's what she says. Remember how Proverbs starts with this, with this concept of lady wisdom. There's lady wisdom out here somewhere. And Proverbs ends with lady wisdom. But then a real lady in her work and in her life and in her, in, her, in her village or city or wherever she was. And so to read Proverbs 31 from the perspective of this is lady wisdom, not a particular woman who's a particular wife learning how to be a good wife. This is lady wisdom 
speaking. And Ellen Davis contrasts that with uh, Proverbs chapter 7, which is this, is this description of what Proverbs calls the adulterous woman. We haven't had, we haven't spent any time on that during this very short series. But I thought we would read through that just to contrast these two things, these two chapters, and to see them, both of them, as, as the voice of this personified lady. Uh, chapter 7 of Proverbs is the voice of, I call it, lady foolishness. And chapter 31 is the voice of lady wisdom. So let's just read through them and contrast them. They'll, it'll be projected on your screen, hopefully. Uh, but we're going to read Proverbs uh, 7. It's a, it's a little bit long, but we're just going to read through it quickly. But as you read through it or as you listen to it, just just think... Obviously, it's about a particular woman, but it's not really about that. It's about foolishness. It's about being foolish in times of crisis, foolish foolish in the world in which God has placed us as a Christian. So follow along in any way that's comfortable for you. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. See how this this personification of wisdom is happening? Say to wisdom, you are my sister, female again. You are my insight, is your my intimate friend. To keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. So here's the contrast between the wise and the foolish. And here's what the Here's what foolishness does. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the ewes a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. And you can see all these themes of foolishness uh, in these words. And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. And again, here through all this, the self-indulgence, the focus on yourself and your own pleasure at night, all of this is just the personification of foolishness. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. 
As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. Don't follow foolishness. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, to death, going down to the chambers of death. And obviously there's, there's lessons here about adultery and sexual sin, obviously. And obviously the Bible presents us a, a picture of sexuality that happens at its best when it's in a framework of commitment and focused on what is best for the other. Obviously that's true and you can read that in here. But what's really happening is that Proverbs is presenting us this, pers- this personification of foolishness in the guise of an adulterous woman, a harlot, who's only focused on one thing, and that is her gain, whatever kind of gain that is. And now contrast that with Proverbs 31, what's called the valorous, or as the ESV translated, an excellent wife. And again, as we read through this, I'd like to uh, encourage you to, 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 to rise above, these are things I need to do, or these are things my wife needs to do. This is what, what a wife should be doing or thinking or, or how she should be acting in her home. That's there again. You can read that in there. But there's a much deeper, I think, more powerful and more meaningful thing going on. Read it from that perspective as... Proverbs is closing with a practical example of what Lady Wisdom actually does. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. Wisdom is more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. And again, in this whole book of Proverbs, we've, we've seen this theme of laziness and of working hard. You remember the famous phrase, go to the ant thou sluggard? But here's this theme of working hard in this, in this passage. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plans a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. That's the the spinning wheel to make a thread and yarn with. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Remember we talked about this right at the beginning. The Proverbs living as as people of God in time of crisis is always focused on how we can do righteousness and justice for the poor and the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet, in warm, warm clothing. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. 
Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you, Lady Wisdom, you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, and here's that theme, you remember it right from the beginning of Proverbs. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Here it is again at the end. The woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So right at the end, this verse, take this lady wisdom, be intentional about it, Give her what she deserves. Give her the honor and attention that deserves. Praise her in the gates. Because it's only from this kind of wisdom that we'll be able to survive in the crises of the world in which we find ourselves. And Ellen Davis goes on to point out a really interesting difference between these two women. I don't know if you remember in, in, uh, in chapter 7, uh, verse 16, the lady foolishness is what I'll call her, says this, I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. So she has made her bed, so to speak, of linens taken from somewhere else. Lady Wisdom in uh, Proverbs 31, verse 22, she makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. And Ellen Davis points out the difference between these two women, which I've already tried to point out a little bit. The first one, Lady Foolishness, is a consumer. She's a taker. She's focused on herself, her own pleasure. Whatever she needs, she's going to take. Lady Wisdom is a producer, a worker, someone who's not just consuming, someone who's not just focused on herself, on herself, but is looking out for the other. Listen to Ellen Davis in her commentary. A um, couple of quotes. The difficulty of appreciation lies in the profoundly different social structure and function of the home in modern technological culture. And it is a difference that encompasses men's lifestyles and work as much as women. So she's talking, I, I'm jumping into a thought here a little bit. She's talking about the differences between our homes here in 2023 and the homes back in the time when, when these proverbs were written, when they, when they were collected. For virtually all of us, the home is a place of consumption rather than production. If you think about that for a minute, how many of you actually produce anything at home? 
In general, we don't. Some of us may have a garden. But in general, our homes are the places where we come to rest and consume rather than produce. Very few households in our highly industrialized culture aim at self-sufficiency or produce any significant portion of their own food or clothing. And then she goes on. It challenges us. Are we on the next uh, quote? Yes, there we are. Thank you. It challenges us to recognize our consumer society for what it is, a complete aberration, both in nature and in history. The consumer is one who uses something up, who destroys and discards and does not give back. This is completely contrary to the economy of nature in which everything is used but never used up. Through death and decomposition, all matter is returned to the ecological common fund form, common fund from which it came. So Proverbs 31 and all of Proverbs is challenging the consumer society who use, who destroy, who discard, and don't give back. Who exploit, take natural resources, burn them up, make sure that we're comfortable, and aren't giving back, aren't returning like composition, does, decomposition does. And then this, the last one. The valorous woman is a model of energetic production. More important, she models true happiness that the virtue of temperance bestows on those who practice it. The person who requires little beyond what she herself can produce is utterly free of anxiety about the uncertain future. Lady Wisdom is a producer and is giving rather than taking. Lady Foolishness in seven is a taker, a grabber. She'll hide in the, she'll hide in the street corner at night, wait for some young man to come along and grab him. Lady Wisdom, the woman of Proverbs 31, is a giver, a producer, spreading out into the community and society around her. And that frees her from anxiety about an uncertain future. She is free to act generously toward others. Her happiness is a sphere of active blessing. We tend to think I'm most happy when I'm at home and consuming. For Lady Wisdom, happiness is a sphere of active blessing. Significantly, it is her children who rise up to pronounce her happy. In taking only as she also gives back, she practices an economics of permanence that works to secure the future for coming generations. 
And I think it's just, and this isn't obviously the only thing you could say about this passage, but Ellen, Ellen Davis raises this up above just about me and a particular role. Raises it up to another level of us being part of community in a time of crisis and asking ourselves what it looks like to be followers of Jesus and to be people who are giving rather than exploiting and and consuming, people who are focused on the well-being of those out there rather than my own pleasure of this moment. People who are wise, and especially in times of crisis. Jesus said one time, What's the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? He said, it's like a grain of mustard, little seed, little tiny seed. A man takes it and sows it in his garden. And it grew. It became a tree. And all the birds of the air make a nest in its branches. I think that's Jesus' way of encapsulating this idea of, of, of wise and faithful living that we find in Proverbs, embodied, interestingly enough, in, in a female figure, which, which we really have a lot to learn about. Jesus, The Proverbs and Jesus are calling us to move the direction of our lives away from consumer and move toward active blessing. How can I be a person? How can we be a community that goes out and plants seeds of blessing around us so that this tree can grow and become a place of nesting? And what's nesting other than safety and security for all the birds of the air? I'm not going to tell you like specific things to do, a whole list of things. Just, just lay this image out in front of you. In whatever time of crisis you find yourself, and there are plenty of, plenty of them around us, it takes about two seconds to find one. And to ask yourself, how can I act like a person of wisdom in time of crisis rather than a fool? How can I follow Jesus and take these mustard seeds of his kingdom that he's giving me, given me and plant them so that the sphere of blessing will go out? The people in my household, the people with whom I work, people with whom I share the roadways, people with whom I share the stadium, people with whom I share in our governance, and all the other areas. How can I be a wise and faithful person? And how can we be a wise and faithful community? Amen.